0: your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by the Sensory Learning Center with host and mother of a recovering child with autism, Betsy Hicks. All comments, views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guests and callers. In the next hour, Betsy and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Uh. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Betsy Hicks.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to our show today. I'm very excited because this is my favorite subject it's food. And today's show is all about diet. I have been a diet counselor for nearly 10 years, and you know, I have really in, tried to, in that amount of time, never focus all of my opinions just based on one t- diet. I, I really like to listen to other diets, and I take bits and pieces from many different diets. I really think that when it comes to working with autism, you really have to focus on customization. You can't just take a diet that may work for your neighbor's child or um, your your nephew and, and implement it for your own child. You really need to customize that, and that's something I want to help work with you and, and teach you on today. A lot of parents, the problem that customization is difficult for them is that they want a black and white answer. Um, Gluten and casein, for example, being on the diet, it's a very black and white piece. You can't do any. You can't do a trace. You can't do a little bit every now and then. But then you get into foods like soy. Now, soy is definitely a food we'll be talking about today and and the difficulties of soy and digestion, but can a little bit of soy really be as effective as a longer-lasting neuropeptide effect of that of gluten and casein? And that's something that we'll, we'll be talking about, too. I really want to educate you on a lot of different types of foods today and then let you choose what's going to be the best diet. The one part that I want to explain is how diet is affected by so many, and the reaction to diet can be affected by so many things. Many people think, oh, it's just the gluten and the casein, and that's so not correct. There's so many reasons that a food can bother our children. And that's part of what I want to have you know about so that you know what to look for. Let's, we're, we definitely are going to spend a, a, quite a bit of time talking about the um, the whole neuropeptide p- component of gluten and casein. But let's talk about IgG allergies Ig and IgE allergies. Big confusion between the two of them. If you go to your standard doctor, your, um, be it an allergist or a pediatrician, they're, if you tell them you think your child has a food allergy, they are going to test you to um, foods that are through either blood test or a, a PIN test. They'll, they're going to look for tests that... Um, are going to show a a reaction. It's very immediate. It's very um, innate. In other words, it's something that's been around for a a long time, and the body thinks very quickly about it. And those are the children that break out in hives typically. Um, They have anaphylactic reactions. Those are the typical IgE allergies. Not typical allergies when it comes with autism, because with autism we're dealing, dealing with a lot more intestinal problems due to Many environmental factors. So, for our children, we're looking more at IgG food hypersensitivities. A lot of companies will do these tests for IgG, and that is usually the result of a leaky gut, the leaky gut, or and uh, overactive immune system. If the body's constantly stuck in a, in a th shift, that's constantly producing antibodies towards everything that is eaten, then um, it's going to make it a little more. The foods that are coming into the bloodstream a little more hypersensitive. What's coming in? Well, that's the result of leaky gut. If you're dealing with yeast issues, then your intestines become porous. And every time you eat, the food will leak out of those intestines and into the gut. And what does your body do? It starts this hypersensitivity reaction. So IgG is another big piece. You can get those tested. Blood type is big. I really like the work of Dr. D'Adamo, the Live Right for Your Type book, there's a couple areas where I do have my own opinions on. Number one, I think that um, uh, doing it about 70% is a little bit more realistic than trying to do it 100%. But the other uh, piece of um, opinion that I do have is if it's an A blood type, a child really does need meat. In the book, it talks a lot about how certain blood types, A, B, B positive, B, um, um, and O, um, are the foods that are really kind of indigenous to our bodies are the ones that we're going to absorb and digest the best. O's, for example, need lots of meat. A's, for example, don't do as well on beef. But this is where the exception is that I find. With an A, I, they do need beef. I, all all children I feel with autism need a good organic grass-fed beef. And that's because it's a it's a huge source of amino acids and B12 of which they're so limited in and it's one of the best forms to get it in. So uh, th- that that's the only piece of it that I I'm, I'm not as fully on, but uh, th- the other part is that he does recommend soy and I definitely don't recommend soy and we'll be talking about that also. Lack of enzymes is big, especially if your child is an A blood type. The pancreas is not going to produce the enzymes that the, the, um, intes- the stomach and the intestines need for digestion. And if that's going to be the case, then what's going to happen is the food is going to literally kind of rot in the in the stomach, and creates an acid. Many people who suffer from acid reflux think that the acid is because they make too much acid. When actually, many times the opposite is true. If they don't make enough, if they don't make enough, have enough digestive enzymes excreting from their pancreas, um, they may be low in something like hydrochloric acid, which many people take as a supplement then the food is not digesting, it's not breaking down, and it's creating the acid from the rotted food. So digestive enzymes are really important for absorbability of all the nutrition that you get from your food. Um, Another reason a food can bother us is because of yeast and bacteria. There's certain foods that really promote yeast and bacteria, Um, vinegars are huge at promoting yeast. You have to be very careful with the amount of vinegar that's in the diet. Pickles, for example, are not necessarily a good choice. Um, And then also you have to be careful with sugar. Um, All forms of sugar really will somehow produce some sort of a a yeast. However, the lower glycemic ones, like um, maple syrup, agave, rice syrup, um, tapioca syrup, the lower glycemic ones are going to be much better for that purpose. Um, So those are all other factors. If, if a food is increasing yeast, then that may be a problem for a reaction. Corn is a huge producer of bacteria and can cause bacterial increases in the gut. I have found that a lot of children who have high amounts of Klebsiella, Clostridium, things such as that, the bacteria, that going on a low to no corn diet can really alleviate that part as well. Um, foods that are chemically altered, foods that aren't even real foods, that can be a problem because of the chemical part. And then you go into things like pH balance, a big reason why a food can bother us. Simple carbs can make us very acidic, and by introducing some form of green vegetable at every meal, you can do a lot naturally to regulate the pH. Uh, A great book on this, Deborah Page Johnson has a great book about um, pH, and you can um, uh, access her website at uh, feelgoodfood.com. But for example, even with breakfast, you, even just if it's just a bite full of spinach or something green, it can really help with regulating the pH for the whole day. If vegetables are not an option and you need a quick relief, um, And makes a great product called pH Balance, and if you're really in a bind, a little bit of baking soda can work. You can even throw it right into the bathtub while they're taking the bath and no soap in there if your child likes to drink that type of water. Um, If we're consistently alkaline, then then we talked about things like hydrochloric acid that might be needed. I don't typically recommend um, apple cider vinegar because of its yeast piece, um, increasing piece, although apple cider vinegar by far will increase the yeast a lot lower than any other type. Um, another theory on why certain foods can affect us is going to be explained to you by my husband dr john hicks john are you there
3: hello good morning
2: thank you i'm finally going to let you speak typical in our life Um, you and your associate beth vandeboom strongly feel that uh, certain foods can cause a type of a brain allergy can you explain that
3: well part of what's going on with like heavy metals, and some of the reactions in the body make the blood-brain barrier leaky. So when that happens, then some of these molecules, these peptides, can cross that blood-brain barrier and literally uh, promote a allergy in the brain. So you know that if you have a Th2 shift, your immune system is already geared up The interleukins in your body and cytokines have your whole body geared up. So if you have inflammation in your gut, you are going to have brain inflammation. So if these um, peptides, call them, or if the antigens cross the blood-brain barrier, then you're going to have reactions within the brain itself.
2: Okay. Okay. Well, that's good, and, and that explains a lot of our, uh, our son, Joey. And, and Joey, as an example, has had three food IgG and IgE tests done, and corn has never shown up as a problem. But it was very perplexing to us for many years because... Um, the smallest amount of corn would set Joey off. And it didn't seem to matter if it was a whole bag of corn or if it was just a small speck of corn starch. His reaction was still the same. He would scream and scream. And it didn't seem to be a scream that indicated that his belly hurt, which confused me even more. So um, that would explain. it's, It's almost like the way celiac disease is in the gut. It's the same way in the brain for a lot of these kids for things such as corn.
3: Well, yeah, and I, and I think it's the piece with these is going to be as we try to figure out how to figure this out. Right. Is that if they get a small amount like celiac disease, it's as bad as getting a huge amount. Okay. So you, you really have to go after it to eliminate these.
2: Sounds good. Now, we are going to be talking a little bit more. We're going to take a break in just a moment. And when we get back, we're going to talk more about the whole neuropeptide effect of both gluten and casein and why that affects our children's brains and their whole systems. We'll be right back in just a moment. Don't go away. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
0: A fresh look at today's health voice america health and wellness
4: we had a wonderful experience in our trip to the sensory learning institute and the main issue To sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies and we brought home a child who was vastly different we brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me
5: the goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual auditory and vestibular systems with light sound, in motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com
1: omega institute is the country's leading center for holistic studies now you can experience selected workshops from omega in the comfort of your own home join us for a live web broadcast with john friend the founder of anasara yoga in this dynamic workshop we learn a hatha yoga system that is a celebration of the heart and looks for the good in all people and all things to find out more about our live web broadcast log on to our website www.eomega.org that's www.eomega.org or Call us at 800 944 1001. That's 800 944 1001.
6: To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, brain, and body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose.
2: Hi, this is Mark Victor Hansen. You know me for Chicken Soup of the Soul, the One Minute Millionaire, and Cracking the Millionaire Code. And what I want you to know is that if you want to have rip roaringly good health, listen to Health Crusades by my friend John Farley.
1: Tune in to Health Crusades with John Farley every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time only on Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: Your life.
2: Welcome back. We have so much to cover, and that's part of the reason I'm speaking as quickly as I am today. But the first question I want to ask uh, Dr. Hicks before you leave um, our our show today is, can you explain the, how these peptides of gluten and casein affect? Maybe I should first explain what a peptide is. Gluten is the protein component of wheat, oats, rye, barley, spelt, kamut, Casein is the protein component of dairy, of all, all forms of milk, both cow's milk, sheep's milk, um, goat milk, whatever it might be. So these particular um, long-chain amino acids are not getting broken down properly, and they're crossing the blood-brain barrier and creating um, an opioid effect. And what is this doing to the neurotransmitters?
3: Well, Essentially, it's going in and affecting all the opiate receptors. Opiate receptors are in every cell of the body. So these, these, they're not just neuroactive peptides. They affect every opiate receptor throughout the body. So it's going to be active in your brain. It's going to affect your immune system, your bone marrow, your thymus. I mean, so it's going to then feed back to affect the gut. And it increases leaky gut more. And it's because you don't have enough digestive enzyme to break that last chain down that's between 9 and 13 amino acids long into one or two amino acids. And that's really what can cause a lot of the issues with food hypersensitivities is that they're not being broken down. So your body recognizes this as an invader. So it attacks it. So you get your body is making IgG antibodies to protect you, it's also making IgA and IgM. Okay. So you can have a multitude of different reactions happening.
2: Okay, okay. Thank you. you. You you're free to go. All right. <laughs> Thank Have you. A great day. Thank you very much. That's Perfect. my husband, Dr. John Hicks. When when this opioid effect does does affect us, when it, when that happens, symptoms are, are are very very vast. There are children who really withdraw, but there's other children who become extremely hyperactive. Um, the, everything can be a, a piece of this, especially dealing with ADD um, can all be a part of the need to give up gluten and casein to be able to be able to have your neurotransmitters working properly. One of the biggest um, people, when people say to me though what would show that my child is a big candidate for doing a gluten and casein free diet?" One of the first things that I would say is, is your child a picky eater? And that is usually tends to be one of the biggest, symptom, biggest symptoms that a diet is really a necessary piece to go. So going back to what we are talking about, what is casein? Well, casein is found in most forms of dairy, and it is really milk products are very, very um, prominent in a lot of our foods. But there are casein-free options, rice milk, almond milk, hazelnut milk, Coconut milk, they're all good options to use. I'm not a big fan of potato milk. Things like Vance's Dairy Free because the maltodextrin in things like such as that will um, really are very fast yeast feeders. So I don't recommend potato-based milks. Also, potatoes are a parasite feeder as well. So you have to be very careful with the nightshade vegetables like potatoes and tomatoes and. Um, peppers and eggplant, because those will feed parasites. Hopefully we'll have an opportunity to talk more about that. Um, what is gluten? Well, gluten, as we said before, wheat, oats, barley, rice, spelt, and kamut. Uh, there are some forms of European oats that claim to be gluten-free. I, I just don't have enough education. I don't. Not that I haven't researched it, but I just don't feel that I've been Convinced enough that I should say that oats are completely safe. Um, but there are a lot of gluten free flours, wonderful gluten free flours. Most typically used is rice. Corn and potato are very prominently used, but I would limit those, especially corn. There's other wonderful flowers like amaranth, quinoa, tapioca, bean flowers. One of my very favorite flowers is an Indian flower called um, Urid, U-R-I-D, which is a lentil-based flour. I love cooking with that. I buy that at my Indian grocery stores. Uh, Tef. Uh, Sorghum is another gluten-free flour, but like corn, it will feed bacteria in the gut very quickly. Montana is another flour to be able to use, all very good ones. So as a diet counselor for so many years, I've heard every excuse imaginable as to why somebody – would not want to introduce the diet to their child. And the first one that hits me all the time is my child is a picky eater and he or she will starve. Of course, at that point I'll say, well, what is your child eating now? And they say, well, you know, they're eating macaroni and cheese and um, maybe um, goldfish crackers and that's maybe some chocolate milk or something like that. It, too much with my response is your child already is starving because these foods that are ty- typically craved by the child – Who is so affected by gluten and casein are the most deadly nutritious foods that there are, if you can even really call them foods, because nutrition is completely void of them. So your child may not be starving in the caloric sense, that they may have enough calories, but your child is starving in the nutritional sense. And that is why it's really essential that until you get these foods out, until you get the gluten and the casein out, remember, they're like a morphine-like effect. It's addictive. So these gluten gluten and casein foods are going to, create addiction to the point that that's all your child wants to eat. Once you get these foods removed, they'll be more open to other foods that have more nutritional value in them. It's too expensive is another big piece that I get. And that used to be truly a case, but actually it's not as if uh, healthy foods are too expensive it's that non-healthy foods are too ridiculously cheap they're not made up of anything that costs much of anything to make and so that these foods we get the standard that we shouldn't pay more than $2 for a meal because that's how much uh, you know a happy meal or whatever might cost or e- even you know, something quick like lunchables or things such as that should cost but what we're forgetting the fact is that If we're not getting any nutrition out of our food, this is like, you might as well be feeding them cardboard because there's nothing in it. So the important part is to rethink the way you look at food. It has to be a priority. It has to be a larger piece of your budget. Even when you're trying to stretch things, there are ways to do things that are healthy, such as beans and rice. Many third world countries exist on beans and rice and vegetables, and those are some of the most affordable foods that you can buy, even when they're organic. People spend so much money trying to do... do gluten, excuse me, trying to do a chelation type of um, protocols where they're taking out all of the heavy metals, and yet they're still giving their child Skittles every day, which are filled with just so many different petrochemicals and all kinds of things that are damaging to the brain and the liver and and all the other organs. So it seems silly that you would spend a lot of money on um, other forms, but you wouldn't spend the money on just basic eating. It's just a few dollars more in many cases. Schools need to be able to support you, and that's sometimes a question that I get. But most schools um, are somewhat supportive. If they're not, make it part of the IEP. It is a law that they can't um, feed a child anything that causes them any type of a dietary problem. Then, of course, the big piece is that it's too hard. Um, the diet is hard. It's hard to do a gluten and casein-free diet. It's hard to to cook things from scratch that sometimes I recommend for my patients to do. But having a child with a disability is a lot harder. And making it, there are simple things that you can do to make it easier. One of the biggest reasons ways to make it easier is to follow the diet as a family. It's important that you support your child and definitely don't eat foods that they used to love and can no longer eat right in front of them. Very cruel, and it 's not at all good for the whole family all, the family unit as a whole um, it 's not difficult to um, eat a, a dinner especially that is gluten and casing free it 's a matter of eating a meat. Um, something like rice and a vegetable, and that should be a part of your family way to do it. Um, the other piece is you need to stand firm on your decision. Kids are going, especially the more verbal children, are going to manipulate and whine as much as they possibly can to get the foods that they want. And I understand that this, and I, and I do have my sympathy for them because I personally am gluten and casein free, and I'm and I very, very strict on my diet, and so are all three of my children. And I And I know the way that children can really create a sense of, you know, you're you're killing me here and you feel guilty enough as a parent when your child is dealing with a disability. But if they sense that guilt, it's going to be a fight at every single meal. If they know you stand firm on your decision, the fight begins to end over time and they start to realize there's no way around it, I might as well just face it. So in thinking about, talking about all the things that you can't do, Think about what you can do because there are many really great foods that are out there and foods that we should be eating. Number one is pure water. Pure water should be a part of the only thing that we drink. Um, Absolutely no high-fructose corn syrup that is in sodas and such, nothing with sugar. And then, of course, Juices, um, may, they may not have high fructose corn syrup or the chemicals, but they're still very high in fructose, which is going to increase um, the yeast as well as put stress on the pancreas. And the, the children that drink juices when they're young become pop drinkers when they're older, soda drinkers when they're older because they just get so used to that sweetness. Um, Organic fruits and vegetables, very important. I hope I have a chance to talk about more about organic. We'll we'll continue the show if we run out of time today um, on another future show. Organic meats and poultry, organic eggs, wild-caught cold-water fish in moderation. Um, But wild-caught is important because of the fact that farmed-raised fish is fed corn and soy pellets. You want to get wild-caught, and you want to do it minimally, of once a week. Um, Stay away from tuna. Healthy fats, maple syrup, nuts, seeds. Beans, other sweeteners that we spoke of earlier, brown rice, wild rice is a wonderful food. Quinoa, amaranth, great, great um, ways to, to, to supplement for grains. Beans are also fabulous. We're going to take a quick break again. When we get back, we'll talk more about other foods that may be causing problems in our children. Don't go away.
0: opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness.
4: We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute and the main issue to sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies and we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me.
5: The goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com.
6: The pressures to be thin or ideal go beyond the Hollywood headlines. In fact, those suffering from eating disorders in the U.S. number in the millions, and eating disorders such as anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, and binge eating are more common than Alzheimer's disease. Eating disorders affect men, women, adolescents, as well as young children. On Understanding Eating Disorders, Dr. Tom Scales, an internist and psychiatrist, uncovers the causes and characteristics of various eating disorders and shares his expertise on current treatment approaches. Expert guests and personal stories from some who have recovered reveal the depth of emotional conflicts of these dangerously obsessive conditions and the resolutions that work. Tune in to Understanding Eating Disorders with Dr. Tom Scales every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. Understanding Eating Disorders, the cycle of eating disorders can be broken. Opinions, options, answers.
0: You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program, here's Betsy.
2: Welcome back. The subject today is food, and I'm talking probably a lot quicker than I should because I want to get a lot of information into you today. We're going to follow this show up in about another month with um, more tips on food. Um, One of the other things I wanted to note is that all the information that I'm I'm presenting with you today is in a PowerPoint form that you can get from my company's website. If you go to www.pathwaysmed.com, dot com. You can go to our website and under Diet Counseling, um, probably in about two days I'll have that PowerPoint up there um, so that you can review it later on. The next piece I want to talk to you is about cooking oils. This is a really important one because many people are not aware of the differences in fats and how they affect our body. Everything from looking at the omega sixes that um, and the omega nines and things that we may be too high in, as opposed to balancing out with our omega threes. So it's important that you do a good variety of cooking oils. Um, A lot of the oils that I like, for for cooking at least, one of the absolute best for frying in, for high heat, is expeller-pressed coconut oil. The company I use is Tropical Traditions. I really like that company. They make a wonderful expeller-pressed coconut oil um then next would be going down as far as heat is concerned would be grapeseed um grapeseed oil also can be taken to a decent reasonably high heat and doesn't turn doesn't hydrogenate as quickly as many others olive you don't want to be frying with but sauteing is one of the best that there is we all should be getting large amounts of olive oil unless we're having igg or ige sensitivities to olives Um, but it's typically a food that we all uh, seem to absorb well and um, metabolize, and it can help everything from your skin to your hair as well. Um, Things such as spectrum shortening, which is a palm-based oil, are also fine to use. And there's a new red palm oil, which is being used um, quite a bit. Those can also be taken to high temperatures. Sunflower and safflower oils, once again, like olive, not too tremendously hot, but they're still good oils. for um, you, you can get a little bit hotter than an olive oil and be able to uh, do uh, uh, keep it reasonably from not hydrogenating. Other, They're great oils, though, but you want to be careful with how hot you get on that one. Non-heat oil, so oils you definitely do not want to heat. Number one is walnut, a wonderful oil filled with both omega-3s and 6s, Fabulous for nutrition, great for the brain, um, but if you heat it, you lose it all. Same is the same is true to a certain extent with al- almond oil. A lot of the nut oils, hazelnut oil flax oil, flax seeds also. If you're grinding your flax seeds and then cooking them, you're losing all of the omega value of those flax. Um, you're getting some fiber out of them, but you're not getting any of the omega values. So many people buy these flax breads thinking that they're getting so much omega-3s out of them, but they're not because once they're, if they're ground and cooked, then that's a problem. If you bake them whole, then that's not you're not going to have the breakdown of the omegas, however, very few people chew their food enough to be able to keep the um, the to be able to break down the actual seed in their mouth um, extra virgin coconut oil is is actually therapeutic it's not only a great oil to use but it's very therapeutic um it's filled with all the types of nutri- nutrients that both that will kill viruses, they'll kill it'll kill bacteria. It will also tremendously soften the skin and the hair. Um, extra virgin coconut oil. Many people take it for thyroid reasons. It helps regulate as well. And. Although, because you definitely don't want to heat it and because it tends to solidify, um, I have people that will sometimes mix it with ghee. Now, ghee, G-H-E-E, is an Indian, it's, it's a basic Indian food, and you can find it, I like it, the, the type that you find in Indian grocery stores, although you can buy it at, at other health food stores that have that ha- it. Ghee is basically clarified butter. It's butter where the um, casein has been removed. Really important because we the fats that are in butter are very healthy to our bodies, but it's the casein we don't want. So the only time this would not be good is that if the child also, in addition to having the problem with casein, has an IgG or IgG E problem with dairy, then then it would be something you want to avoid. So some of the top foods you want to avoid um, and We'll get into this a little bit more detail into our next lecture, but soy is one of the biggest, um, and I'd like to take these all apart bit by bit. um, And as to the the reasons corn, artificial sweeteners, artificial colorings, sugar and vinegar, peanuts are something we need to avoid, non-organic produce and meats, Potatoes, like the nightshade vegetables, hydrogenated oils, nitrates, and MSG, and salicylates. Those are all some of the foods that we'll be talking about. Um, Now, interestingly enough, though, I have been I've seen hundreds and hundreds, possibly over a thousand, of IgG food hypersensitivity tests. And in my own little research, I found that some of the top IgG food sensitivities are eggs, soy corn, sugar cane, almonds, apples, bananas, peanuts, food coloring, and chocolate. If any of those foods typically are a problem that you in your child's diet, the reaction may be different in each one. Some people may never even notice it, but Inside, the child's immune system is just getting worse and worse and worse. That's when a test can really come in handy. In the book, Is This Your Child?, by Doris Rapp, she discusses ways to look for these sensitivities a little bit more. They're called elimination diets, and it's basically a matter of taking all the food's, that you may think your child has a problem with, eliminating them for 10 days and then reintroducing them. This is not true for the gluten and casein-free diet because with that diet, it has a much longer effect before the foods actually get out of their system because of the neuropeptide effect. But for IgG sensitivities, then you can be looking at things um, that may be allergens. Eggs, by far, is probably one of the top sensitivities, and that makes me very sad because organic eggs are extremely healthy foods. Food. But a lot of the diets that are out there rely very heavily on eggs as a, as a replacement for um, uh, carbohydrates. And a, I have seen many, many children get very um, sick and start developing bad allergies to eggs, including hives, in a very short period of time. If your child is suffering from eczema, eggs should be one of the first things that you test. Um, so let's... The, Let's talk about right now a little bit about soy because this is a really important subject to me. Um, I'm a good friend of the author and became a good friend after reading her book, The Whole Soy Story. Her name is Dr. Kayla Daniel. I've had her on my show before. I highly recommend listening to the archive of her show. But you do need to be very careful of soy. Its intention is... it's. Of use was never meant to be for the the use that it's being used now. In Asia they eat small amounts of edamame they eat soy in the forms of miso or tempeh where it's fermented and it's much easier to digest yes they have good health because of the way they eat soy. We eat soy mostly in the forms of isolate protein, soy isolate protein which is a very undigestible version of of soy. It's a leading cause of infertility. Um, It's a big marketing hoopla to be able to To sell this product to you um, it'll create estrogen dominance and it really will create digestion problems Um, the the book it's called once again the whole soy story and you can learn about all the different problems that soy can be for our children um, and how it can create problems especially in those uh, areas of digestion so, foods that are typically high in soy, any fast food oil that you use—from McDonald's to um, Burger King, any of the oils, any restaurant. Most most American restaurants today will fry French fries or fried food in a soy vegetable oil. They'll call it vegetable oil. Um, vegetable oil is usually just a means—it's a junk oil that's combined of um, soy and corn, um, possibly all soy, possibly all corn, but usually a mixture. Um, I, I just thought of now, I'd never mentioned canola oil earlier. People say, think that that's a very healthy oil. Canola is actually a very junky oil, especially if you don't buy it organic. It's one of the most heavily sprayed crops that there is, is the rep seed. And it's important that uh, you don't use a lot of canola oil. If something is made in canola oil that you want to buy, like a, a chip or something such as that, then it's not as much of an issue, but I would not be cooking with it at home. Okay, going back to soy. So all of the soy ice creams and the soy cheeses all should be avoided. Soy milk definitely. I've seen so many uh, pro- problems develop, especially in boys, with the estrogen dominant effects of um, of soy milks. You can get they, boys can get breast buds very early and a lot of other um, hormonal problems down the road. So. Next, I want to talk about corn, and and we talked a little bit about with Dr. Hicks about the fact that corn is really typically a very big brain allergy type related food. So any test that you do is not going to notice. But I have I have to say, of 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 all the patients that I've counseled over the years, large majority that were just not being able to see results from a gluten and casein-free diet or so even soy-free saw huge results when they took corn out of the diet. And I think that that's why um, diets like the SCD and um, body ecology and um, th- those diets do so well, um, especially at the beginning of the diet. It's A big piece is because corn and soy are eliminated with, with SCD, my concern is the fact that the nutrition that we get from some of our grains and things such as amaranth and quinoa and wild rice are lost, and our brain needs that nutrition. Um, and body ecology diet can be difficult as well, especially with all the planning of it, but I definitely take some good pieces out of the body ecology diet, especially the fact that green should be at every meal. So going back to corn, um, corn is so geno- genetically modified. What does that mean? That means that they took a seed, they um, modified it by introducing, um, usually through bacteria or viruses is how they get the seed to open up, and then they alter it to make it a higher yield type product. Um, that's featured on the, the, the great movie, The Future of Food, which I'm going to be speaking with the um, producer of that very soon and, and the effects of GMOs. Um, the problem is, is it's not the food, and, and to be quite honest, my, my belief on it, it's not the food that God meant for us to have um, it, we've genetically modified we've modified it why do we need to modify it when we were created with the perfect food to begin with so I'm, I'm very against genetic modified foods um, our bodies don't know how to recognize it they don't know what to do with it and it does not um, digest well at all Mo- uh, also the problem with corn is that it sits in molds uh, if you notice around September October when it, the corn has long been grown and it starts to dry on the stock I mean it rains it dries it rains and and a black mold will form on that corn, and that's how they make basic corn flours, flowers that are used for tortilla chips and even in popcorn forms. Or it can be even though you don't see the mold, it can be a big part of the problem in it. Corn is very low cost, so high fructose corn syrup is in everything, and it's something we have to watch out for because many diet experts will tell you that it's one of the most toxic foods that we give our bodies. It's also highly addictive, so people that drink soda frequently are addicted to it because of the high fructose corn syrup. Uh, It feeds gut bacteria, and it's also very hard to digest and break down. And where does corn pop up? Well, typically you're going to see that everywhere from your candy to your soda and all the different products, such as uh, it can be in chips and all kinds of other different, even um, potato-based chips will sometimes have a coating of corn. We're going to take another break. When we get back, we're going to wrap it up. We'll talk a little bit about our artificial sweeteners, and um, hopefully we'll get in uh, a little bit more about um, artificial coloring as well. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness.
4: We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute, and the main issue. To sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies, and we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me.
5: The goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. Omega Institute is the country's leading center for
1: holistic studies. Now you can experience selected workshops from Omega in the comfort of your own home. Join us for a live web broadcast with John Friend, the founder of Anasara Yoga. In this dynamic workshop, we learn the Hatha Yoga system that is a celebration of the heart and looks for the good in all people and all things. To find out more about our live web broadcast, log on to our website www.eomega.org. That's www.eomega.org, or call. Call us at 800-944-1001. That's 800-944-1001.
0: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program, here's Betsy.
2: Hello, I'm back. It's a good thing I have commercial breaks here because I'm, <laughs> I need to take breaths occasionally. So let's get back here talking about artificial sweeteners because this is, so important. So many Americans are making themselves so sick every single day um, because of the use of artificial sweeteners. We certainly knew saccharin was a problem years ago. It caused brain tumors so sweet and low, and the pink bags start to become obsolete. But then it was the introduction of aspartame, and there is wonderful work um, that's being done on the research of just how tremendously dangerous aspartame is. I am going to feature this in an upcoming show, so we'll be talking more about that. But the way that it produces the methane in the brain, the amount of deaths and illnesses it's caused now is staggering, and we're starting to get research from this based on the fact that, you know, it was been introduced now over 30 years ago, so we're starting to really get more research on, um, well, actually, it was just a little less... Little less than 30 years ago, we're starting to get more research on the long-term effects that things like Equal um, have done and aspartame have done to our bodies. The big one right now, the big buzz, is sucralose, which is bleached sugar. That's right, it's bleached, which means Splenda is nothing more than cane sugar that's been um, bleached. And what you're what you're doing is you're having a chlorinated product, and it's causing Um, a lot of digestion problems in people and they're believing it's going to increase even larger um, because of that. Sorbitol, all of those, you have to be very careful of its um, digestive effect because it is a bleached product. So be careful on that. It can cause um, headaches, immune suppressors, liver damage, cramping, diarrhea, and brain damage. So the foods that are big in artificial sweeteners, you know what they are. They're out there, all the diet sodas. Um, and now, and sadly enough, which makes me very sad, is they're starting to put it in children's cereals, which is, is make it even scarier. The other food is artificial coloring. Artificial coloring, many people aren't aware, is made from petrochemicals. And it's basically tar. It's, it's, it's a tar derivative is really what it is. It's a known cause of cancer. It stresses the liver and it suppresses immunity. Um, interestingly enough, I like to buy, if, I'm, if it's Halloween or something, I'll go to the Japanese grocery store to buy my candy because of the fact that um, they don't typically, they use natural food colorings for it. I know um, allergygrocer.com carries a lot of candy that is, um, uh also is free of, food coloring so you can get a few there Um, on our website pathways med we carry a few candy brands as well not that we want to be giving our kids candy but in the rare occasion that we do going talking about japan i think it's very interesting because just this morning today in the wall street journal was an article how the united states is rated 15 in math scores 15th in math scores that's absolutely unforgivable and it is not our teacher's Fault. I strongly believe this. I think teachers are blamed for everything, and that's so unfair. Because what's happening is we are killing our children's brains. We are making it so that they can't understand math. We are making it so that they can't focus and concentrate. And these are all foods that, when you start paying attention to the diet, the kids can think better. And for a change, the, the teachers have an opportunity to teach. So I really salute our teachers out there because you are really up against the battle towards kids that are just not getting the nutrition that their brains need to understand. Yeast feeders are, um, we talked a little bit about sugar and the vinegar pieces as well, so you have to be careful of those. Peanuts People ask me all the time why I'm so down on peanuts, but it's because peanuts are such a high-mold food. If you look at peanuts and the way they grow, they grow in the ground, and they tend to get very, very moldy in those shells. And that mold gets into the peanut butters, and even the natural peanut butters they get into. Um, But the natural peanut butter is certainly a much, much healthier and better choice than something like Skippy. Skippy, Jif, they're made of high-fructose corn syrup, hydrogenated fats, lots of hydrogenated fats, and then a little bit of the peanut butter. It's just bad news all the way around. And, and when people give their children peanut butter on a daily basis, thinking that that's their best form of their protein, they're largely mistaken because peanuts do not have the amino acid range that we get from a lot of the actual nuts that we get or other beans, Such as, because peanuts is, in fact, a legume. Um, so meats and vegetables I wanna talk I'm gonna talk about a different show. We're gonna talk about organic versus conventional on a different show because we just don't have a lot of time for that right now. But I do want to talk about um, nightshade vegetables because a lot of our kids have parasite problems, and, and parents are just not even aware of it. Parasites meaning pota- uh, Nightshade vegetables meaning potatoes, tomatoes, green, red, and yellow peppers, and eggplant. These foods can feed the parasites in our children. Please note, we just had a full moon a, a couple of days ago, or uh, just a couple days ago, I believe it was. And when we have that full moon, if you notice that your child is extremely hyperactive, it's a good sign that parasites may be a problem. Parasites um, feed on nightshade vegetables as well as a lot of sugars and and other things like high-fructose corn syrup as well. But you have to be very careful with that because a child with parasites is not going to be able to sit still. I recommend a lot of natural remedies on our website. You'll be able to find uh, at Pathways Med. You'll be able to find things like um, PPW, which is parasite protozoa, and worms, which is a um, um, vibrational remedy that it's like a homeopathic remedy that's just basically water that's energized to be able to kill those parasites. And then you'll also be able to find things like um, Wormax, which will help. And black walnut is wonderful for killing um, uh, parasites. But the problem is it's very, very bitter taste. So if your child's not swallowing, it's going to be hard to get it down them. Um, hyd- Hydrogenated oils and fats, we've already kind of talked a little bit about that, but it's really careful that you stay with good, healthy oils. And um, lastly, I want to get into the talk about nitrates and MSG. Nitrates are basically free radicals in the cells. They cause free radicals in the cells, and they can cause cancer very, very rapidly. Um, They're a huge detox stressor, and they are responsible for a lot of headaches in a lot of people. Nitrates are typically found in lunch meats, um, bacon, any meat that they want to keep pink for a long period of time. Um, that's where you're gonna be able to find um nitrates. Uh soups also will, will carry a lot of nitrates. And speaking of soups, big producer of MSG. Lots of MSG in soups. MSG is monosodium glutamate, and it's a neurotoxin. It's a very high allergen. It can cause a lot of rashes. So if you're seeing rashes after the consumption of MSG, headaches, and it also is a known cause of Alzheimer's. Um, MSG is obviously we see it. We know you know we give Chinese food. It's bad rap for it, but a lot of Chinese places are taking it out. You do need to re- to to check on that. Um, but MSG is a very hidden food, and you have to be careful because one of the biggest places that it will be is in things such as salad dressings, and it's very big in... um, a lot of spices and natural flavorings. When you see the term natural flavorings, that's a big sign. On the PowerPoint presentation, I have a list of a lot of the different foods that um, potentially MSG might be in, Um, but you want to be careful of uh, a lot of the spices as well. So um, going on further, let's keep continuing on to um, the foods that contain MSG and nitrates. We talked about Because it's so hidden, if you do notice a food that has natural flavoring as being a problem for your child, you can always call the manufacturer, and they'll be able to tell you if there's a form of MSG. Sometimes they don't even know, but at least if you can get the form of their natural flavoring, you can look it up yourself. Salicylate, last piece we want to talk about today. If your child gets red ears after they eat, if they get circles under their eyes, if they get extremely hyper after they eat foods that are high in salicylates, salicylates may be a problem for your child. What are salicylates? Well, basically it's a natural preservator, preservative that's found in, in foods, um, not bad foods even. Uh, yes, high, um, food colorings and aspirin and things such as that are very high in salicylates, but also um, there's products you know Everything from berries to, to honey. Um, honey is high in salicylate. Um, most spices are very high in salicylate. Peppers, mushrooms, radishes, tomatoes, zucchini even, sadly enough, is high in salicylate. Now, I'm not saying that all these foods you have to take out, but I do recommend going to our website at pathwaysmed.com, and under Diet Counseling, you will see gluten and free foods that are high, medium, and low in salicylates, if you notice your child is reacting to some of these high salicylate foods, you may need to take it out for a while. And I say it for a while because salicylates seem to be a reaction of um, a poor detox system. If you're working on cleaning up your detox system, then the salicylate problems can, can go away over time. So with very little time left, I am very sad I didn't get a chance to talk more about organic and conventional, but um, please note that I'm a huge proponent of organic foods, um, especially when it comes to meat being grass-fed. It's also very, very important. There are a lot of diets out there. Um, They all hold different pieces in them. And I urge you to get as educated as you can about food. This is the one medicine that you give your child five, six times a day. You have to pay attention to it. It's very, very vital. And I welcome you to take your time and ease into it gradually. Don't expect to be perfect overnight. But if you can make a big step once a month, that's that's a step more than you were doing last time. So good luck to you all. I hope this is you. And once again, for for information on this PowerPoint presentation, you can go to pathwaysmed.com. Thanks for joining us. I'll be back with you next week. Bye-bye.
1: The Sensory Learning Center would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Betsy or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks.